Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question is, what are the signs of a good counselor? When I use the word counselor here, I'm really referring to anyone who uses psychotherapy, any mental health clinician. So professional counselors, social workers, psychologists, and other people who use psychotherapy. So to answer this question, I'm going to give eight signs of a good counselor. And these signs, of course, don't guarantee that somebody's a good counselor. They're just indications that I've seen throughout my career that tend to point to an effective mental health clinician. So let's get started with number one. So the first one here is when a counselor is willing to challenge a client. So a lot of times, especially early in therapy, there's this temptation to kind of go along with whatever a client says. And sometimes this may be a good path, but sometimes it's not a good path. I think as counselors, we have to be willing to say, okay, this behavior kind of makes sense and this is productive, but this other behavior is incongruent. Maybe your values are different than your behavior and to point that out. I think sometimes too, for private practitioners, there's this temptation to not challenge because there's this concern that a client will leave. So a client stays as long as the counselor kind of goes along with everything. And again, going along with what a client says isn't always the wrong thing to do. But at some point, clients need to be challenged. They come in to get therapy to get another perspective on what's going on. And of course, the challenge doesn't have to be mean or impolite or anything, but just something that's pointing out a discrepancy, trying to offer that additional perspective. In the world of mental health counseling and the counseling community, we seem to see a lot of people with similar personality traits. And one of the personality traits I've noticed that's fairly common among counselors is agreeableness. So agreeableness is one of the big five traits on the five-factor model. Openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And when someone's highly agreeable, they tend to agree with what other people say. They tend to trust people. And this is not always, again, a bad thing, but if somebody's very high in agreeableness, it can be challenging for them to contradict somebody or to challenge somebody. So I think what happens in counseling is people are trying to fight that trait. Counselors are trying to resist that trait. Their tendency is to be agreeable, and sometimes it pays to be disagreeable. So number two, the second sign that somebody's a good counselor is when they can come back to the original topic in counseling, in a session. So here's what I mean by this. It's easy to start talking about a symptom, a relationship, a situation that a client brings up, and then to get on a tangent. And I think this is perfectly okay. For that to lead to a tangent, it could lead to discussing something like a movie or a song or another relationship unrelated to the one that's mentioned or different symptoms. But a good counselor keeps that original topic in mind and circles back to it because whatever was being originally discussed may be important. Now, it may not be. The tangent may be a better way to go, of course. A lot of times I think what happens is once that tangent starts, the client and the counselor both forget what that original topic was in the first place, and then they follow that tangent out. So I don't think with this particular sign of a good counselor that the counselor has to have a good working memory. I think it's okay to say, look, we were talking about something originally here that 
led to what we're talking about now. And I don't remember what it is. Just that desire, just that awareness that there might be a need to get back to that topic. That's really the good sign. Not necessarily having a perfect short-term memory or even a good short-term memory. So moving on to the third sign. The third sign is when a counselor is realistic. And what I mean here is that a lot of times, again, if we think about personality theory and what we see in counseling, we see individuals who are high in extroversion, specifically high in positive emotions, and low in neuroticism, although that's not always the case, certainly. And one facet specifically with neuroticism is negative emotions. So we see low negative emotions. And when somebody has high positive emotions and low negative emotions, it's more difficult for that person to be realistic, especially about difficult topics. You may have heard before in the topic of depression that people who are depressed tend to be more realistic. And I don't think certainly a counselor needs to be depressed. That, that wouldn't be helpful. But to be realistic, to have a little bit of negative emotion and to be careful how high the positive emotions are expressed enough so that the individual can be realistic about what's going on with the client. Clients come in with a lot of different problems and they don't necessarily need a counselor who's always positive, who always thinks that things are going to work out. Sometimes things aren't going to work out and it's good to be a realist about those situations. So now maybe number four, the fourth sign that somebody's a good counselor. This is curiosity, specifically intellectual curiosity, the facet that we see on the trait of openness to experience. Now, this one's a bit of a balancing game because I think it's good if a counselor can be curious about a client's symptoms and their history and their narrative and really everything the client wants to discuss. But if you take it too far, if you take curiosity too far, you're always investigating and never actually getting to any of the working parts of therapy. And if you take it even further than that, it ends up being kind of invasive. So what I mean here is there's just a limit to how many details a counselor needs to know. If a client is talking about a traumatic experience, the logistics, the basics of that trauma should certainly be communicated, but the details aren't always necessary. So intellectual curiosity really has to be balanced a bit. But if somebody can get that balance tuned in correctly, I think that's a sign of a good counselor. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who've overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardknowpodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.
So moving to the fifth sign of a good counselor. This one is a counselor who reads the research literature. And I would put this kind of under high conscientiousness. If a counselor is very conscientious, they're more likely to take a look at the research literature. So imagine if a counselor has a new client and the client has a disorder that the counselor is unfamiliar with. Well, what is the treatment going to be based on? What is that counselor's understanding of the psychopathology going to be based on? Experience? Just hoping for good luck? I mean, at some point, the research has to be involved. And I think that a counselor that gets a new client, say they're dealing with like rapid cycling bipolar, and they've never dealt with that before, and they go and they take a look at one or two articles before the next session, to me, that's a very good indicator of a good counselor. I've seen situations before where clients ask counselors about the disorder. They say something like, well, what do you know about generalized anxiety disorder? Or what do you know about avoidant personality disorder? And the counselor will respond, well, I've had other clients that had similar presentations. Or I went to a training one time and that was discussed. And that's all well and good. But if a counselor responds by saying, well, I don't know a lot about it, but I'm going to go home tonight or this week and read the literature. I'm going to read up on avoidant personality disorder or generalized anxiety disorder or whatever the disorder is. Again, I just think that's a really good sign. That's a sign of a conscientious counselor who's understanding their limits and they know they need more information to be effective. The sixth sign of a good counselor is a counselor that knows when to stop talking. And this is, I think, particularly important as counselors are relatively new in the field. Now, when somebody's learning how to be a counselor, there's this real pressure in terms of what the counselor says. Now, this makes sense. If a counselor is going through the educational process and they're recording their sessions and they're doing role plays and everything, and they don't say anything, then there's nothing to grade. There's nothing to look at and say, well, this is the skill you used or this is what you could have done. So the bias there, of course, which this makes sense, is we want to hear that somebody's saying something. So talking is good. But when you're in clinical practice, this type of mentality, this idea that you have to fill the silence with words can really turn on you quickly as a counselor. I think it's valuable to know what techniques to use and what to say and to have responses that are helpful. But it's also valuable just to stop talking sometimes. Sometimes a client will say something and the best response is silence. Or if you don't have a quick response, if you don't have something that's helpful to say, I think it's perfectly okay to say, I don't know how to answer that. Give me a moment. I need to process that. So I guess what I'm saying here at this sixth sign of a good counselor is that thinking is important. And sometimes in order to be thinking, we have to stop talking. And it's okay to do that. And it's okay to tell a client, look, I just need a minute to figure this out. It doesn't seem like something that would make a good recording or make a good test session for demonstrating educational achievement or anything, but it can be very effective counseling. A good counselor, again, needs to know their boundaries. They need to know their limits. And if they don't have a response or they don't have a good response, sometimes it's better just to wait. So now moving on to the seventh sign of a good counselor. This is a counselor that can promote independence. They can help a client to become independent and to use the counseling skills between sessions, but also effectively communicate and understand when long-term therapy is necessary. Now, I know for some, long-term therapy is a little controversial. Some counselors don't believe in long-term therapy. 
but I have definitely seen situations, I've seen presentations that require many years of therapy. There's just no way of getting around this. And when that is the case, a good counselor needs to effectively communicate that, but at the same time, be willing, of course, for the client to reach a point where they don't need therapy anymore, like recognize when it's time to end therapy. So again, keeping in mind promoting of independence and also balancing that with the need for long-term therapy. So the eighth sign of a good counselor is a counselor that can see something that the client's trying to express and point it out. So this is a counselor who's not oblivious. But again, just like several of these points, there's a balance here. This doesn't mean pointing everything out that the client does and saying, hey, what's going on there? Hey, what's going on there? Every little nonverbal behavior. But rather, understanding when the client's trying to communicate something, but they don't want to directly say it. Right? And that happens really quite often in therapy. A client comes in and maybe they're a little down, a little depressed, or maybe they've been using substances and they don't want to communicate that. But they're trying to communicate it in a way subtly. And some counselors just completely miss this communication. Now, this is an important balance. Again, you don't want to jump on every little detail, as I mentioned before. If a client taps their foot or crosses their arms or something, that doesn't always mean something. But there are a lot of different ways to communicate. Where somebody looks, if they're looking down, facial expressions. If a client is normally fairly talkative, but then in one particular session, they're not very talkative. A counselor needs to be able to pick this up and know when it's appropriate to say, hey, I noticed your mood's a little off today. Is there something going on that I need to know about? Or is there something you need to tell me? And the client may say, no, everything's fine. And that's okay. A counselor at that point can say, oh, I just thought you were looking down. You looked a little sad. I just wanted to point that out. I just wanted to make sure everything was okay. And the vast majority of the time, I think clients appreciate that a counselor's paying attention. And they're aware and trying to be sensitive to what's being communicated directly and indirectly. Sometimes counselors get it wrong. But again, I think it's a good indication when a counselor is trying to see what somebody's communicating and they're willing to interject and ask about what may be going on there. So these are eight signs that I believe are normally associated with good counseling. As I mentioned before, none of these signs or even all of them together don't make a good counselor by definition. These are just indications of good counseling. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslonga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslonga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslonga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. 
That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.